Welcome. You're listening to a Mr. Thrive Media Production. I am thrilled to introduce you all to Nicolette Spear. Nicolette Spear comes to introduce a very unique form of art. This time is body painting, and she has an eclectic background that covers a wide range of talents to this day. Also, she joins us on this podcast to introduce her event, Back to Nature by Bodies and Beats Productions. This is in Art Bar LA, and it's curated by her, along with the production company Bodies and Beats. Be sure to come to enjoy your fill of art, dance, and body painting, and get in touch with your wild animal side. The event is on March 19th and 20th from 5 p.m. all the way to 1 a.m. Lastly, for Mr. Thrive Media, the Artist Upsurge will have its events on March 29th at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. More details to come. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy. You have stumbled upon the Mr. Thrive Podcast, where together we discover established artists. Oil painter, painter, body painter, Nicolette Spear. Nicolette, welcome to the podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, and actually, you know what? I think in terms of my schedule, I think it's the last scheduled interview before uh, January 1st, before the New Year. So this is really exciting. I think this makes it really special. Oh, exciting. I'm going to ring in the New Year. That's right. So you are a a body painter. You're an oil painter. Um, We're going to learn all about that in a second. We haven't had anyone do quite what you do on this podcast yet. So this makes me particularly excited. But as everyone who listens to this podcast regularly knows, I do pre-interview sessions. I look up, I do a little research. I kind of get the bones before we get the full body of the interview to understand the structure and really understand who Nicolette is. But I found out one of Nicolette's very interesting passions that she knows a lot about. And Nicolette, before I open up the season three trivia quiz, do you have any guess as to what the theme is going to be? Body painting or art? No, 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 something else. Something else. We're going to be talking about horses. That's right. (laughs) Everyone, this is our season three warm up trivia. Are you ready, Nicolette? How are you feeling about it? Um, I feel good about it. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) I found, I found three very interesting facts about horses and, uh, we'll see what you think. Okay. Okay. Question one, how many muscles do horses have in their ears? Is it a none? It's just cartilage. B three, C five, or D ten. In the actual ear itself, mm-hmm. does the base of the ear count? Sure, we'll say we'll say yes. I'm not. I don't know enough about horses to answer that with confidence, but I'll say yes. I mean, they do move them around quite a bit, so but they do seem also to me to be mostly cartilage. So I'm gonna go with three. Three. So the yeah. answer was the answer is actually ten. They have ten total oh. muscles in their ear. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And wow. it's like I think like what like an average of three inches long. Those 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 ears that they have, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's. That's got that's that's like strange for me to even contemplate like the all these tiny little muscles and it it does show how quickly they move it's crazy mm-hmm, yeah um but but good they guess I, I, probably would, I probably would have made that same guess <laughs> question two John mm-hmm. Wayne always rode white horses in his B westerns what was mm-hmm. the name of one of his horses in his movies was it a Starlight B Snowflake 
C, mm -hmm. John Wayne, or D, Featherfoot? Hmm. I feel like it's Starlight. Correct. Nicely done. <laughs> did you actually did you actually know that? Or had you um, heard it somewhere? I mean, I haven't watched a John Wayne movie in quite some time, but maybe it absorbed into my subconscious somewhere. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, it's, it's true. You know, it, it's, um, he had these different horses and they all had some legendary name, but apparently one of the primary ways that he would acquire his horses is that he would first be casted into a movie with one of these horses. And then mm -hmm. right after that, they would go into, he would, he would just buy the horse off the set, off the producers after that. So that's how he kept his horses. Question three. The earliest member of the horse family was the Ehipus. How big was it? Was it A, the size of a mouse? B, the size of a dog? C, the size of most horses? Or D, the size of a mammoth? I believe it was the size of a dog. Correct. Nicely done. <laughs> They're kind of funny looking, honestly. Like if you ever look yeah. up an ehipus, that is E-O-H-I-P-P-U-S. Mm -hmm. They're they're kind of like, I don't know, they kind of look like an like an antelope, like a yeah. shrunken antelope, kind of, I guess you could say. They're, yeah, they're, they're kind of deer, deer-like, I'd say. Yeah. So they're they're kind of these cool looking animals, but horses are neat animals. They're they're pretty much like dogs, right? They're just giant dogs, right? Well, I think horses and dogs are pretty different because horses are prey animals and the whole mind space of a prey animal is completely different. Like even okay. the fact that they have eyes on the sides of their heads makes it so that they are able to see more in a 360 way, That's but right. they're also very skittish. So they get nervous or startled about things in the way that a prey animal would. And it's, it's interesting. It, 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 that's absolutely true. When I was looking up fun facts, I did learn a lot just outside of the trivia alone about these horses. So you're right. They do see 360. Their only blind spots are what's in front of their nose and what's directly mm -hmm. behind them, mm -hmm. which makes perfect sense. So they, they are pretty vulnerable in that regard to the sense that if you're being snuck up from, from the front or behind, that's it, you're done. But it's, it's, it, would, it would really be amazing to see how horses kind of view the world. Uh, to have that 360 view like that for sure yeah um, do you think your listeners are wondering why we're talking about horses being that i am a body painter and an oil painter well i was just about to transition <laughs> to that so you know what nicolette you take it away you why are we talking about horses nicolette i'm gonna guess that it's because i have not only body painted on human being bodies but also on some horse bodies that's true. But you also uh, grew up on a, on a horse farm, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I did grow up on a horse farm. Well, and that's why I um, get along with them so well. And they allow me to paint on them. <laughs> what was it like growing up on a horse farm? It was really fun. You know, being in nature and communing with animals, I think, is great for a kid growing up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you ever get to go on any wild adventures that kind of felt like a journey in time? I mean, I guess riding a horse anywhere feels like a journey in time, being that we used to ride horses instead of driving cars. So you would actually ride the horse into town to go do regular um, shopping and errands? There were no towns really nearby, so no. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you were very much rural, kind of isolated kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Was that difficult to kind of grow up like that? 
no, I think it's really good for kids. Um, I mean, I, I was really excited to move to Los Angeles where I live now. Right. But I think it's really um, nice to be connected to nature when you're a child. I think it's a great way to grow up. Sure, sure. And where where was that exactly? Uh, Maine. In Maine. Wow. Yeah. So you you grew up in Maine, mm-hmm. and you you kind of were in a much more much more rural kind of isolating lifestyle, but it was a good experience overall. Wonderful. Yeah. You know, I guess maybe this is me with my small with my small mindset, but every time I go on a road trip and I see houses go by that their next door neighbor is, you know, several acres away. And there are, there is an actual mileage between one house and the other. Mm -hmm. I always think to myself, that's got to be such a lonely experience, but it's not. No, I had my family and friends. Um, You know, I guess you have to drive a little bit to get to your friend's houses, but, but no, I didn't find it to be lonely. No, I think nature is a, a great way to form a young person's mind. Sure. Just being in nature. And, and nature and the appreciation of it is kind of a major cornerstone for who you are, wouldn't you say? Uh, I would say so. I mean, how, how do you incorporate that into your work? Um, well, I love painting the human figure the most. Okay. Uh, and I do think that the human body is the part of nature that we most directly relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain mentalities, especially today with technology and everything that's going on, uh, that speak to an idea that human beings are separate from nature. Mm -hmm. And I really disagree with that. I feel that we come from nature and even everything that we create is natural. That's absolutely right. And I've met those people before who, who make that distinction and, and saying that human beings are not a part of nature. And I think that that's actually a little bit of a I mean, tell me if you tell me if if you agree with me with what I'm saying on this is that like it comes from kind of like a very arrogant standpoint, like we're above nature, like and it's we're, we're I think not. so we're still, yeah we're st- we're still creatures with with brains and we're still learning and we're not even at the final stage of our evolutionary you know completion you know we're mm-hmm. just we're just overdeveloped monkeys that's all we are. <laughs> <laughs> so well, our our bodies are you know. I, the most humanizing, I guess you would say, but also I think they're that thing. That's just a constant reminder that we are a part of nature. There's really no escaping it. Right. And why would you want to? No, I I like being a part of nature, by the way, right now, speaking of nature, it's, it's raining outside. It's a, you know, Mm -hmm. this is, I would say this is a winter in California, but it feels a little more cold than typical winters in California. <laughs> and, and I don't like that. <laughs> but, but, you it know, like, chilling. but that is kind of something that we're doing in, in nature is we're just taking the resources around ourselves and putting ourselves in a shelter to protect ourselves. And mm-hmm. it really, it makes me, it makes me think about how the, the fact that when it comes to, you know, getting shelter as a, you know, as a, as a creature, every animal just has their own language for how they go about that shelter. So you're right. I think we're, we're all part of nature, yeah. and what we what we produce is very much natural. I think mm-hmm. you're right about that. Yeah. Sure. So you're very much focused on the human form. I am. When did you start to explore that? Uh, I've been drawing people since I was really young. I think it's one of the more challenging things that you can draw. Uh, and also the most fascinating because it is an immediate connection because those are the parts that you have. 
so just in fascination with anatomy, I did love the anatomy of the horse also. I think the way my, my mother is an artist too, and the way she would draw horses always, I thought was amazing. But she prefers to draw animals, whereas I prefer to draw people. Not sure, really sure why that is. I think it's just a psychological thing, you know, it's whatever you relate to the most. Absolutely. And, you know, if you think about it, if the two of you work together, you two could complete an animated horse wild western. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Boom. It's done. It's done. But but I love that. I love that. So, So you've been focusing on the human form. And there isn't there is an automatic attachment to that. In fact, I I on the on the podcast production side of my business, I actually do this demonstration all the time talking about that. If we for those who remember ethos, pathos, and logos, which are talked about in your in your general ed communications course, you have ethos, which is like the the information informational part of communication. You have pathos, which are the emotional part of communication. You have logos, which is the visual part of communication, right? Mm -hmm. And I only bring this up because when it comes to pathos, that part is the emotional connection that we have to things. So we're talking about a natural uh, connection we have. When people are asking me about my creative process and the decisions I make for promoting a podcast, I very much lean into uh, pathos. How can we emotionally connect people to a podcast from a marketing standpoint? Mm. And I demonstrate this in my consulting by drawing a smiley face on a little pink notepad. And I tell this heartbreaking story about, uh, well, here is, here is Jim and Jim is a recovering alcoholic, but you know what Jim about, you know, what's amazing about Jim, who's the, alco- who's the recovering alcoholic is that he's also a family man and he just graduated college and he's doing a lot of things right with his life. And he knows that he has made plenty of mistakes in his life, but you know, what's pretty phenomenal about Jim. He's about to be an engineer. He's about to be a supportive, loving husband for his, for his beautiful family he has two daughters, the two daughters are named Sarah and Elizabeth, and they want to be engineers just like his father. And then you know what I do to that note card right after I tell this beautiful, enriching story is I rip that note card in half because I want to demonstrate to them that it's emotional. You create these emotional connections, even with just two dots and a line that makes a smiley face. Mm-hmm. Totally. That is pathos right there. And so you yeah. take that to a much more extreme level in a beautiful level and Mm -hmm. you paint these amazing human figures even right now you're sitting in this studio with these human figures around you uh they're incredible works of art really you know these are thank you i also know that you have you have an event coming up called body and beats i do yeah well so um i love i'm an oil painter and i love painting the human figure as you mentioned and i do just really quick before we go into bodies and beats want to mention that i am seriously going to look into pathos later because i think that's a really fascinating concept and i think it's the point of painting i think you want to evoke an emotional response like the point of a painting or a piece of art is to how help someone feel something or to, mm. you know, inspire an emotion. So anyhow, um, my love for the human form also relates to my body painting, which is another element of my artistry. I am a body painter for about 10 years. I've been oil painting since I was like six. My mom's an oil painter. My grandmother's an oil painter. Even my great grandmother was an oil painter. 
So body painting's newer to me, but it is a deep, sincere passion. And I have managed to find like-minded folks uh, here in Los Angeles who also enjoy body painting. And we have formed a body painting team called Bodies and Beats. And uh, the beats part of the Bodies and Beats is the musical part. So there are some DJs that are involved in this performance art group. And the uh, bodies also extends to the amazing body paint models because let's give them props. That is a lot of work. It takes four to six or seven hours to make a body painting. And then these dancers are going on to perform for everyone at the event, painted and dance and be engaging for also many hours. So um, yeah, they are a significant part. So basically when you come into a Bodies and Beats event, what you will experience is um, seven or eight body painters with seven or eight body painted models um, and a dance party where you can also get body painted. So at the point that the doors open, generally speaking, the body paintings are complete. Um, you know, the four to six hour body paintings are completed and um, the body painters are available to paint on you. So, and those are quick things, you know, I mean, you could get a little longer if you want, but you want everyone to have a part, a good experience. So it's like something on your face, something on your arm. Um, we do like to keep a safe container where, um, people feel comfortable to get topless, not completely naked, but there are topless women at our shows that get painted along with our models as well. Um, because I am very passionately a free the nipple person. Right. Hashtag I believe, free the nipple. Hashtag yeah. free the nipple. The female nipple is no different than the male nipple. Let's all get over it. Yeah, seriously. I, I think it's kind of weird to have uh, topless beaches when half the men, half those who identify as men or have just male sex are are there just doing their own thing. And it's like, you know, I've been to uh, Ibiza, right? And the, 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 the topless beaches, that's just, they don't have topless beaches. They just have beaches and that's what people do with them. And it's yeah. completely natural and it's just accepted. It's very weird. Yeah. Is weird for standard like that. It is weird. Hey, folks, we're going to take a quick break. And before we do that, I want to emphasize the fact that because of this pandemic, Mr. Thrive Media realized that we need to do a better job at supporting small business wherever we can. So enjoy. Hey, Thrivers, do you hear a certain difference in quality? That's because this podcast quality is made possible by Squadcast. Virtual recordings have become easier than ever with Squadcast studio quality SaaS remote recording platform. This cloud-based technology secures your files and minimizes post-production for all podcast producers. And I should know because I am one. Heighten the experience of your podcast by clicking the link in the show notes below. This podcast is a Mr. Thrive Media production. Mr. Thrive Media builds communities through its content marketing and networking events. During this pandemic, our dedicated team commits to the value of connection by producing podcast content while extending a helping hand towards artists and entertainment professionals. Mr. Thrive Media puts its values first by supporting small businesses and empowering emerging artists. For more information, visit www.mrthrive.com. That's mrthrive.com. I 
have been, you know, I've really gone into uh, the heavy metal scene this year. I wouldn't say I've really gone into it, but I, I do love it. And I think my favorite mm-hmm. thing about that scene is that, you know, right now I'm wearing a pink sweater and my hair mm-hmm. is in a man bun. But as soon as I get to a heavy metal concert, I let my hair sag down. Um, what is it? Uh, uh, asymmetrically on my head. So it's mm-hmm. just like one side, almost Skrillex looking. And mm-hmm. I wear all black and I have like an outfit that I put on. And it's like, I get to dress up and it's honestly really fun. And nice. it's, just like, it's so interactive. And that's kind of my taste of mm. uh, events that I partake in that are not, yeah. you know, that that's kind of how I go about it. So, yeah, I've always loved the energy at a metal show. Absolutely. I would, I would rather be at a metal show than like listen to metal in the studio or something. Although I do have those days too, but for the most part, I would rather be present at the show. There's, such a good vibe, such a good vibe. It's really you're exciting. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Now you actually brought up something really interesting. I imagine you spend many hours kind of alone or at least isolated in your own bubble with your studio, creating these amazing works that you do. These amazing. I sure works. do. What, <laughs> what is the kind of music that you listen to to kind of get you to that, that, that status flow? Oh, wow. I mean, I like to listen to different things. I, I firmly believe, I think our minds, um, our brains tend to repeat patterns. And while I do have certain motifs in my art, I am also trying to expand on those motifs and trying to think outside the box. So I'll listen to anything from like John Coltrane to skinny puppy <laughs> skinny puppy okay <laughs> to um to flight facilities or Joni Mitchell or like I'm I'm very eclectic I guess and I love audiobooks I'm actually listening to Simone de Beauvoir's The Second Sex on audiobook okay while I paint and um it's it's very interesting wow that does sound really interesting. I, you know, a lot of those artists I haven't heard of at all. So that's, it's, 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 it's cool. It's unique. You know, I, I like that a lot. Was there ever a point where it was hard to kind of get into that, that, that steady flow of being able to work in that isolated form or was it easier for you? Um, it's always easy for me personally to be painting all the time. I think that's my natural state, whether it's body painting or painting in the studio Um, I think the challenges are just, you know, the forces of life, like there's obviously being able to have the time when one has a full-time or a part-time job. Um, I mostly just paint these days. I've managed to get my life to that point where it is my main job. And that's fantastic because I do get to be eight hours a day in the studio Um, but then, you know, there's always just the little interruptions, even now, you know, stepdaughter needs to be picked up and brought to her friends. Um, you've got to go to jury duty. There's, you know, life which interrupts, but, but yeah, as far as my self-discipline, I mean, I think I learned that as a, as a young child, um, growing up on a farm, getting up at five in the morning and, you know, I still get up around five. Um, and I do yoga and then I go paint. So, Ugh. but I love doing it and it doesn't feel like work when you love what you do. The life. I love it. <laughs> I love to hear that. And that makes me really happy. How long did it, did it take you to get to that consistent place of being able to support yourself with only painting? Um, I mean, a long time, I think 
uh, let's see, how old am I? <laughs> I'm 36 for anyone who's wondering. And I think I've been full-time painting for two or three years. Um, before that I was doing more body painting and, um, which is a trade, you know, believe it or not, body painters are needed and I still do body painting gigs. Um, but you know, music videos, movies, um, special effects, body painting is, is like a trade. Um, so I was doing that and then I've had all kinds of different part-time jobs in the art industry working at galleries, being an art handler, um, art installer, you know, anything that keeps me around art and knowing what's going on and, you know, just kind of absorbing it, I would choose as my part-time jobs. Um, but yeah, it took a long time. I mean, okay, let's see, graduated in 2009 and I'm 36. I can't really, oh, just not good at math. I don't know. <laughs> 15, 15 uh, 10, 10 years, 15 years, maybe. Yeah. About that. Yeah. Yeah, something around there. I mean, that's that's pretty intense. It's a long time to to get to that point, but you should be proud of yourself. And thank once you. you. Once you once you reach that financially self sufficient point, yeah, I'm sure, it just felt like freedom for sure. Yeah, it feels really great. It hasn't been easy, but it feels really great. What kind of advice would you give to someone who is trying to get to your level? Um, I would say. Find some kind of a full-time job or a part-time job where you are in your industry and always being aware of what's going on. So if you can be in the galleries, if you can be in a museum, um, just to see new shows, to learn more deeply about com contemporary artists. I mean, you know, obviously art history is really important too, but I would say that knowing what is going on now in your field is really important. Um, other things that I would say is community. Um, I think that artists need to be friends with other artists and that could be, you know, a sculptor or, you know, it doesn't need to be exactly the same art as you. Um, music, visual art of any kind, performing art, dancers, but, you know, just being in a creative mode with people where you can be in flow with them, collaborating, keeping those juices flowing, I think is extremely important. And also friends help each other. And when you have friends in a similar industry to you, you know, it's not all on you to help yourself advance. You're helping each other advance, which is exponential. You basically just gave the pitch for what the experimental part of my business is, which is the networking for artists and creatives side of what we do. Like, like literally. Tell me about, more. Yeah. No, this, this is about friends getting together on a regular basis to kind of help and support each other with the intention of not being in the same industry, the same kind of craft that mm. the other is doing. Um, mm. I want the film directors in the same room as the painters in the same room as the dancers mm. in the same room as the musicians, because mm -hmm. that's how the ultimate art is created. That's how the mm. most unique kind of crafts are put together. And that's the only way that you're going to get unique resources that give you an edge in your industry. Mm. Um, we actually are going through a rebrand right now. Originally it was called the Mr. Thrive Network, but now we're actually updating it. I, this is an inside little tidbit for the listeners here that are loyal that I have been, you know, listening to this podcast for three years now, which I'm incredibly, incredibly thankful for. If I haven't expressed that before, 
I have nothing but gratitude for my listeners and for those who partake in my network. Coming 2022, the network is going to be called The Artist Upsurge. I'm really, really pumped about it. And it's going to be a really exciting opportunity for people all over LA, all over New York, all over Chicago, and eventually the world to engage in and have their own groups for and really be able to exchange those resources and get out there and have a positive impact on each other's careers together. This is about not one person being elevated, but everyone finding a way to elevate each other. And that's what excites me the most. Yeah, I think that's great. Fabulous. Thank you. you know, one thing that I would stress, though, or, or sort of um, put in is that I do think it is important to be uh, to have friends that are in the same field as you as Absolutely. well, yeah. because those people are going to really empathize with what you're going through and they're going to have tips that others wouldn't to help. Um, and, and, you know, vice versa, obviously, you'll be able to give some insight and advice to them as well. But I think those four people are very important to lean on and to be inspired by as well, because, you know, they'll be making art that's different than yours. No one will make art exactly like you. So um, yeah, I think I think all the friends are important. Absolutely. You do need mentors. You do need yeah. people that are going to carry you up that next level. Um, because a yeah, lot find of a this, mentor. That's yeah. a good, that's good advice. Absolutely. This a major part of this industry is or these this the umbrella term industry, I suppose, because I think industry, you think of the film industry, but mm-hmm. I mean in general, a major part of any industry is just who you know. And mm. you know, a big part of the network is with the hopes of getting you to who you know, who you can know. And mm-hmm. that's really that's really uh, the premise of it. And it's, it's mm. exciting. It's really become a passion of mine. And, um, you know, it's honestly a thrill. Let, yeah. me ask, let me ask you this, though, just to shift gears a little bit. I know you also sure. have experience in the film industry as well. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me about that? Um, I mean, I've done a lot of work for independent films. So people that are writing, you know, that have grants that are doing a kind of experimental thing, um i've worked on people's horror movies doing blood gushing out of someone's neck or all kinds of things like that um but yeah it's been really it's been really interesting um yeah it's been really interesting i think a a lot of independent films blood work is pretty fun i used to do a lot of uh theater in high school and Uh i remember for julius caesar there's that big there's the big there's the big scene where we all kill Julius Caesar. And I was Casca who takes the first stab. <laughs> and um, we did it on stage. Like we actually had blood packs on Caesar. Nice. <laughs> and, um, I remember when we were practicing this, there was a point where we overinflated the blood packs with too much blood. Uh-oh. And so like, I remember like we took, I remember like I took the stab at him and like, blood actually hit my face i really thought i had killed someone we were using rubber knives that they use in martial arts (laughs) practice but like i remember there it was a literal explosion it felt like a tarantino film of blood that's what i was gonna say it's like a tarantino movie (laughs) oh my god but it must be it must be really fun to kind of work on these dynamic independent projects you have a lot more freedom on independent project huh yeah and i also love music videos i i love music and collaborating with musicians is a passion of mine there we go. That's why this network is essential. Like to, yeah. get, to get together with these, with these musicians and to be a part of For that. Sure. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I would love to dissect more of your experience with 
humans as well. Cause I, the way that, the way that you and I had met was the fact that you actually painted my face and then I saw your business yeah. card and I looked at your amazing website and I was like, wow. Right. What draws you to the human form and have, has there anything that has ever, you know, turned you away from the human form as well? Um, I guess the main thing that draws me to the human form is relatability. Okay. You know, we all have the same organs and the same structures and also vulnerability. It's, it's your mortality. It's your, you know, it's your temple, some would say, but as in, in my perception of reality, which is just how I perceive things, it's the temple of the soul. So it's, it's the structure in which your energy inhabits and to some extent it's one of the things that will make us modest because you can't control it really it is an animal it's not it's you know you will die you will have illness um you'll have strength and power and the ability to move about the three-dimensional world um, but there are these uncontrollable parts of it that are going to be painful and, you know, so in that way, vulnerability, the ultimate vulnerability and the common denominator between all of us. Wow. Well said for sure. I think that that's a, a sheer side of like level of wisdom that especially in these times with COVID-19, I think that, mm-hmm. you know, we can very much get ahead of ourselves and believe that we are stronger than this, that we are this above nature being that Mm -hmm. can sustain anything, especially when you're young. I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of young idiots who think that they're, Mm -hmm. but you know, the, at the end of the day, we're still these fragile flesh and blood creatures. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I don't think anything has ever uh, turned me off from a body. I was, I was a physical aid for someone who had cerebral palsy for a while. Wow. Actually, I helped her to make sculptures. So I was her art assistant. Um, I love that. It was really amazing. Um, But, you know, I was also her physical aid at the same time because um, in order to be with her her parents had created a structure where the people who were going to work with her she's the same age as me so this isn't a younger person um so people who are going to work with her um would also be trained as her physical aides and um you know i experienced everything from helping her to go to the bathroom to um you know um, changing clothes and just everything that you can imagine. And the humanity of it, I thought was really incredible. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's anything that I would think is gross. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like even was able to see an autopsy once or a dissection for arts when I was in art school. How was that? That must've been something else. It was really, really incredible and um, just gave me a deep sense of my own mortality and just that really the energy isn't there anymore. But the structures of the body are beautiful and I I really don't think there's anything gory about it. I love the, what's that art show? Um, 
with the plasticized bodies, body worlds. Yes, I love body course. worlds. Oh body my God. Worlds is something Obsessed. Else. Yes. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever wanted to work with them? Oh, interesting question. Um, thought about donating my body, but then decided I'd prefer to be an organ donor. <laughs> uh, I, I, I didn't know that never crossed my mind. I've always wanted to work with Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> Cirque du Soleil. Are yeah. you an acrobat as well? No, I want to body paint their um, and fate. Oh, I want to do just like costume design and stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. It's got to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. One day wow. there's a, a body painter who did uh Robert Rama. She worked with them and worked on a few of their shows. So I was like one day. One day. Hey, <laughs> one day. If, if you work hard enough on it, I'm sure it's achievable. And it seems like you are someone who has reached a lot of different feats in the world of arts and the world of fine arts that a lot of people uh, desire to be at. And so um, I think that's pretty impressive. And you seem like a pretty remarkable person as a whole. So from this focus of arts and entertainment, I've just been totally enthralled by the amount of wisdom that you've had. There's a lot of wisdom behind the work you do, and it's really amazing and inspiring. So I, I really just want to commend you for the work that you've done. Well, Nicolette, thank you so much. Of course. Nicolette, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, what is the best way they can reach out? Um, probably the contact form on my website. If you don't know me personally, um, which my website is just my name. It's Nicolette Spear. Um, so N-I-C-O-L-E-T-T-E. S P E A R and then it's dot art instead of dot com. Although I do have dot com also, so you'll just be rerouted to dot art. But um, yeah, the contact form submission sheet on my website or um, I, Instagram works. Um, I'd say the email on my website is more direct. It might take me a minute to get back to you on Instagram. <laughs> All that information will be displayed in the show notes of this episode. And finally, Nicolette. The question I ask everybody, everybody mm -hmm. on this mm -hmm. podcast, what will you be famous for? I will be famous for my art. Is that simple? <laughs> Too simple? <laughs> um, I'll be famous for, um, I'll be famous for creating art that speaks about the time in which I live. And in that way, documenting a part of history. Wonderful. Nicolette Spear, everyone. Thank you so much for being on the <laughs> podcast. This has been absolutely fun. It really has been. Okay. Thanks for having me. It's been fun for me too. Thank you for listening. This podcast releases bi-weekly on Fridays. To attend one of our networking events, visit the registration link in the show notes or go to www.mrthrive.com. Would you like to be a guest on our show? Email chaz at mrthrive.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.